How is everyone today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you as a people that are blessed, but yet, Father, we come as a people that have needs. And we know, Father, that you are ready to meet our needs today. So, Lord, we come in faith, believing that something good is going to happen from heaven to earth for us today, Lord God. We give you praise for that. You're the answer to all our prayers. You're our hope. You're our reason we live. You're the God who gives us favor. You're the God who disciplines us, chastises us because you love us. And you are the God who is well able to steer your ship towards the destiny, towards the mark, towards the prize that you have for us as a church. So we acknowledge you in this time. And we anticipate, Lord, your blessing from your word. And so we just, right now, Lord, we just cleanse our heart. We ask that you would clear us, Lord, from any judgments that we might have brought into this place, any judgments we may have placed towards those around us in this room. Help us, Lord, to be as a little child this morning and just to come back to the place of innocence before you so that we can receive from you, Lord. I ask you to forgive us, Lord, if we hold any unforgiveness towards anyone, that we would release them to you today and that we would be free once again to receive from you, Lord God. We trust that you are going to work today in a mighty way and bless us, Lord, and encourage us and inspire us to go into this week, Lord, with clarity, Lord, of what you want. And we give you praise in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to continue on in our look at uh, what Jesus Christ was preparing his disciples for. He was preparing them during his earthly ministry to transition from what they were used to in their religious walk into what he was preparing them to step into. They were going from the old covenant to the new covenant. They were going from a, a religious experience with the Holy Spirit, which was external, When God moved on them, he would just come upon them. It was like, and then they would do what they did, but then it would lift. And then in the New Testament, though, we have the privilege of God coming to us and residing in us. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. And so my desire today is that we would learn how to understand that gift a bit more and wring it out for all it's worth. The Bible calls that our inheritance. We have a spiritual inheritance, not only in heaven. We all look forward to going to heaven. But Jesus said, he who believes in me shall have life and have life more. Have life more. I want the abundant life. Would you like that? Amen. Me too. I want the abundant life. So we, as a springboard text, we use Mark 5.36, which spoke about Jairus who was an important guy back in that time. And he had a daughter who was ill, very ill. And so he heard about all the things Jesus was doing. So he went over to Jesus and he said, my daughter's ill, would you please come and heal her? And Jesus said, yes, I will come and heal her. But in the process of him getting there, she passed away. And word was sent and said, don't bother the master. She's dead. And Jesus looked at him and said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. They were living based on what they observed in the natural circumstances. They thought, well, she's dead. That's it. They were still living Old Testament. Remember David said about the child that died, well, it's too late now. I might as well stop fasting. He can't come to me anymore, but I'll go to him. But Jesus was transitioning into another dimension for his people. Don't be afraid. Don't look at present circumstances. Don't be controlled by what you see with your natural eye. Only believe. And he said it very emphatically. He was trying to tell them, 
Don't be afraid. Don't let fear control you. Only believe. So, believe in Jesus Christ. So we looked at a couple things. We looked at the men on the road to Damascus. Remember the two men that Jesus appeared to while they were on their road to Damascus? Jesus was speaking to these two guys, but they didn't recognize him because he cloaked himself. He, he changed his identity to the natural eye. <clears throat> but they were going along and they were going, my heart is burning in me. Who is this guy? And he was training them to perceive him differently, not naturally, not in what they were seeing with their natural eye. They were trying to get him to perceive him in their spirit, to see who he was. And that's what the Lord wants for us, too. He wants us to exercise our spiritual senses so we can start perceiving the Holy Spirit in our life. Because the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our guide, our teacher. He is God come in spirit to us. After Jesus ascended, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. And he comes to us and lives in us. But we have to learn how to utilize that. Right? That's my hope today that we could step into that further. Not to be controlled by, by only the things you see with your naked eye. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that is seen. So the, the, the power of this scripture is there's an unseen reality that is far greater than what we're seeing today. You say, well, that's great, but how does that help me? Well, think about it. If you're ill here today, you're going to get fixated on your illness if you don't know there's something greater to come into that dimension of your natural dimension. You with me? No matter what you're facing in your life, if you get fixated on that, you are not going to be able to gleam the power of your inheritance from the unseen dimension, and God is just waiting. He said, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches, where? In glory. There's a glory realm that God wants to take us to. It's your right. It's your inheritance as a child of God. But it's a little scary at times. That's why Jesus said, don't be afraid. I know this is going to be a little scary moving into this dimension where you have to live by faith and not by your sight. You live by faith. Faith is a heavenly operation. So we're transitioning over into that. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, that's not our focus, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And Romans 8 says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he then hope? So Jesus was transitioning his disciples for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Be not afraid because developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit is an operation of your spirit and not your mind. Without the Holy Spirit, you take the supernatural out of God. You lower God to a human level. Everyone starts at the same place on this journey with God. You start at salvation. And then as a child, just as a child learns, the Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So we're growing. But it's not in knowledge only that we grow. We have to grow in our understanding of how God functions because he's functioning and he's looking and he's seeking, he says, for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Everyone starts at the same place. Whether you're 10 or 80, you must come as a little child. Humility must be embraced as your passport into his kingdom. You might as well hear this, that it's a bridge we all have to cross. We have to humble ourselves. God said if we humble ourselves, he will pick us up. He said if we come as a little child, we'll inherit the land. 
So everything about what God does is like 180 degrees different from the way the world has trained us. Isn't it? The world says, get everything you can, get all puffed up with knowledge, get all full of yourself, and you go out there, you grab the bull by the horns and get the job done. Well, that's the world. That's striving. That's pushing. That's producing. But God's trying to bring us back to a place of rest, back to the garden, where we watch and see what God does, and we just enter into that with him. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So that inheritance can only come as God opens your eyes. See, there's no shortcuts into the God's inheritance. There's no shortcuts to the mysteries of the kingdom. You have to do it God's way. You have to do it God's way. How do we get from a natural sight-based faith living, from a sight-based to a faith living experience in God? How do we get there? The Holy Spirit is the one who gets us there and teaches us. Jeremiah said, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. See, all these scriptures are so important because they're foundational. His word is our foundation. The Bible says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth is the, is, is the thing that opens up the, the, the prison door for you. And you start running when, when, when you know the truth. Truth opens the, the door. Truth is just like opens everything up for you. And that is found in the word of God, the scriptures. So the Lord said... I will put my law in their mind and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, You should know the Lord, because they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember No more. Isaiah said, all your children will have God for their teacher. John said, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes from me. Then John also said in John 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have taught you. So up until that point, until the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus was prepping their lives with his truth. But he said, you're really not going to get all this until the Holy Spirit comes. And then he's going to give you an understanding of these things. And then 1 Corinthians 2, I has not seen, you're not going to get it with your naked eye, nor ear heard, you're not going to get it by hearing my voice. I'm going to encourage you to pursue it on your own. And that's all gospel teachers do. All gospel teachers do is point to Jesus. That's all we can do. All we can do is encourage you in your own pursuit to pursue him. Pursue him. Because I I can't set you free. You can go on TV and find the most charismatic guy, and yeah, he might bless you, but he ain't going to set you free. You might enjoy and get a Holy Ghost buzz off of what he's teaching, but he's not going to set you free until you walk it out yourself. You see, so truth can come in many forms. Through many forms. How hungry are you for the living bread? Eye has not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man or the mind of man the things God has for those who love him. So basically he's saying you're not going to get it by the natural way. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit which is in a man? For even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So... I feel I laid a pretty good scriptural foundation for this. You know, we've been all over the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament with this. 
Ephesians 1 says, Therefore also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mentioning of you in my prayers. This was the Apostle Paul teaching the Ephesians. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He didn't say, hey, I hope you understand what I'm saying. He said, I hope and I pray that this, you would get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you have more than one set of eyes. You have your natural eyes and then you have the, the eyes of your spirit. But we have to learn these things. We have to learn how to exercise these things. And you learn first by hearing the gospel truth. You hear the word of God and then you've got to meditate on the word God. What you meditate on, you will Become. Man says what you think in his heart, he is. So I'm encouraging you to take these scriptures, get the, get the tape, listen to it over and over, and then get the word of God and sit down in your house and say, Lord, teach me. What does this mean? Is there something more for me? Is the Holy Spirit going to... Is, is, is it more than just a, something I think in my head and a doctrine? Do I, ha- do I have an opportunity to be taught of him, to have a living relationship with the Holy Spirit? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what the hope of his calling is. He's saying he wants you to realize the promises of God for yourself in reality. He, wanted, he wants you to know the hope. He wants the promises of God to become a reality in your life. This is the way to have those promises realized in your life. It's through going to God through the word, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you, open the eyes of your understanding, and receive your inheritance in him. And that you would know the riches of glory, of his inheritance in the saints. That's not for heaven. That's for now. My God shall supply all your needs now. According to his riches and glory, they don't do any good up there if you need them here. Right? So you need to know how to get them. How do you get into that mind? You know, how do you mine that gold out? Well, this is why the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder or that you're going to get favor if you diligently seek him. See, that's the road to receiving God's favor. 1 John 2.20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. And then he said in 1 John 2 But the anointing which you have received abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. Now, this is powerful. This is powerful. But, you know, when you ever get into anything this powerful, we can see all the abuses. Of such power. Can't we? Levels of experience with God. I just want to share a couple of them with you. One. The first level. You hear the gospel. And you are convicted by the Holy Spirit. To accept Jesus. Right? We all had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said. Except the Father draw a man. He can't come. So if you're a Christian. You ha- it had to start with God calling your name from heaven. Hey, and drawing, you don't know what's happening, but you heard the gospel and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're attracted to it and, and I believe this. Now in the natural, you're, you know, natural man would think, well, this Jesus 2,000 years ago died on a cross. He was dead and came out of the grave. In the natural mind, if we were thinking naturally, we would say, though, that's impossible. It's impossible. He's dead, he's dead. Right? But there's something by the power of the Holy Spirit which illuminated your mind and convicted you to receive him. Now that same Holy Spirit that did that, that was just the beginning. That was just Christianity 101. There's so much more. That's first grade. But he wants to take you through college. You see what I'm saying? With him. 
And you're never going to get it done. You're never going to graduate fully until you get to heaven because you're never going to exhaust the knowledge of God and the goodness of God and the excitement of God and getting up every day and having a reason to get out of bed and have hope and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. If your life is, if your life is drawl and dull and dry and boring, I'm telling you, this is the way to get life back in you, to get the juices flowing again, to get the river flowing out of your belly. This is the way. Jesus said, he that believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Water that's flowing is living. It's alive. Stagnant water smells and is death. The second level I have down here, and of course, this is not complete. This is just what God gave me this week. Just a few things to talk about this morning. Second, now the invitation is given to know him more fully. Because the Bible says the spirit and the bride say come. So Acts 19.2 says this. So this was Paul. Paul was doing his missionary journey and he came across some disciples that were already accepted. They heard about John. John prophesied that Christ was coming. They, to some degree they accepted the Messiah into their life. And they were baptized in faith. They were Christians. So he... Paul, making his journey, said unto them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They were already believers. And yes, I know we received the Holy Spirit when we're saved. He, he comes and indwells us. But there's more than just the initial sealing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it doesn't say it's a one-time experience. So, you know, you have people in your life, they keep looking back to being, you know, immersed in the Spirit. That's all baptized, baptism means. Baptized means that you're immersed into. So when you're baptized uh, in water, you're immersed into the water. All that is is a picture of Romans 6. Buried with him, buried with him in death, raised with him in resurrection. That's all it means. So when people say they're baptized in the Spirit, all it means is they got, they got a good dose of the Holy Ghost. That's what it means. God just touched them in a supernatural way. But you know, that's not a one-time experience. If you read what Paul taught the Ephesians, he said, be being filled. Every day of your life, you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because God can give you crazy experience with him. And if you neglect that and you don't nurture that, you're just going to go around cocky with that experience, thinking everything is great. But you could be carnal and be fleshly and not... Show the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So it's a constant filling every day with God. Get in the river. Get filled. Thank you, Lord. I'm alive. I'm getting out of bed. I'm putting on my armor. I thank you that I'm alive. I kiss my wife. I kiss the dog. Why? Because I got a reason to live. And it's because the Holy Spirit in me. Because I'm 57. You know, when you get older, you can get bored with life. Life can grind you down. The responsibilities of life can grind you down. Circumstances of life can grind you down. This is, this is hard. Yeah, it's hard. But with the Holy Spirit, at least you got some gas in your tank. You see, running on empty is no fun because that will just grind you into the ground and the devil will oppress you to the day you die. Oppression is an attack of the enemy. You can be saved and be oppressed. If your life experience is nothing but a, you feel a burden on you, you feel a pressing on you, and you can't get out from under it, there's an assignment on your life. It's called oppression. I don't believe Christians can be possessed. I don't know what pastor teaches, but I don't think a Christian can be possessed. But I know that they can be oppressed. Every day it's just, oh, there's no joy. You're dried up. It's a grind every day. Here we go. Again, everything you think about in your mind is negative, negative, negative. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you. You get up every morning. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you do it? You do it by faith. How about this? Since Holy Spirit is God. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. I present myself to you. That's scriptural, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present yourself to God, a living sacrifice. So we, I present myself to you, Lord. I give you my will today. I, I just pray that my will won't be done today. I want your will to be done. Cleanse me again, Lord. Forgive me for any sins. And now, now that I am cleansed, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I just lay all my burdens at the foot of the cross. 
I give that to you, Jesus, and now I receive your grace to go through the day. And then if I'm burdened, I'll stay in that posture of prayer until the peace comes. And once the peace comes, I'm set. You see, then I can go out and I can be happy again. And I can be smiling to people. You see, otherwise I just take my misery out into the world and make everybody else miserable. And, and that's, no, that's not being the salt or the light that God has put in us to be. So he said to them, have you been uh, received the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, we heard about John, and we were baptized into John. We heard about Jesus, we were, and we were baptized, but on to John's baptism. And when, the, when this was said, he said he rebaptized them again in the name of Jesus. And he said he laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them. So have you been filled in the Holy Spirit? How do you know if you've been filled in the Holy Spirit? It's simple. You will display the image and the likeness of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus came and died for you, and we all know that, and we celebrate that. But do you know when he ascended what his mission was on his ascension? He ascended for the sole purpose of filling everything with himself. He was restoring world order, cosmo, universe order. So the Bible says he was not only Lord now of heaven, but Lord of heaven and earth. And his mission then was to bring the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of himself, of his Christ, and of our God. He was restoring God's order of things on the earth. And in filling us, with being filled with, you know, if, he's, if his mission is to fill all things with himself, that means he's going to fill us first. And why is it important for us to be filled with him? Because we're the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth. That's why. If we're not filled with him, we can't be what he wants us to be. And I tell you, church, if we allow Christ to fill us in everything, the world will be attracted the world is attracted to winners, not losers. The world is attracted to energy, not depression. That's why you can go to the, to the sports center down here, and everybody's jumping up and down and acting like a bunch of crazy people. And everybody thinks it's fine and dandy. They're all excited. People get attracted to that. They want to be where the energy is. There's no greater energy than the Holy Spirit. So this is how you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, to bear witness to us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's found in Galatians 5 and verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is first love, joy. Now ask yourself, am I full of love? Just give yourself a little test going through here. Because this is how I test myself. If I'm feeling miserable and down, I'll normally go to some scripture like this and I'll start testing myself. The Bible says examine yourself. So if I'm feeling down and things aren't going right, I, Lord, there's got to be something wrong. What am I doing wrong? I'm, I shouldn't be miserable. I shouldn't be being cranky to Lisa. You know what I'm saying? So if I find myself, anything coming out of my mouth that is unedifying... I know there's something wrong in my heart. And so I go back to scriptures like this and I say, okay, let me test myself. Am I filled with love? And I'm not. Of course I'm not. That's why I'm there at that time with God doing it. So that what I do then is I say, Lord, I take all my miserableness and I'm going to give it to you right now. That's called the divine exchange. You have that right. Bible says, come boldly under the throne of his grace that you may obtain mercy and find help. In our time of need. So what we do, what I do is I say, okay, Lord, I'm miserable today. So I'm giving you my misery. And now I'm going to receive from him your grace. Because we are people of grace. And in that grace, all good gifts come from above, from the Father of lights. And, we, and I, just start, I just start meditating on that. And I just start like I'm soaking in it. Sometimes I picture myself soaking in a river. And I just soak in it. I picture that. I use my sanctified imagination. And I just, Lord, I love you. 
Thank you for taking all this and giving me all you have. Am I full of joy? Am I at peace? You know, if you're not in peace, stop all things. Stop everything. Stop the train and get in your prayer closet. Are you patient? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You know what we're describing here? We're describing Jesus Christ. This is Jesus we're talking about. And we need to know Jesus. You know, it is so critical you know him. Because at the end of days when you stand before him, he's he's going to say to a lot of people, I don't know you. Well, Lord, I I prophesied in your name. I I exercise spiritual gifts in your name. And he's going to say, I don't know you. How do we get to know him? Well, right here, here's a description of Jesus. Right here. He's love. He's joy. Peace. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. He's faithful. He's gentle. He has self-control. So as we look at these things, you say, boy, that's Jesus. And then you say, that's not me. And you're smart because that's not you or me. So what Jesus says is you come to him for mercy And grace to help you. So we go to him in prayer and we say, Lord, I'm none of these things. And he goes, I know. And then I said, Lord, I give it to you. I give you all my shortcomings. May you you please give me grace so that I would be like you. And he says, gladly. I was waiting for you to come. Because his grace is sufficient in all things for our lives. He's not going to hold out on us. He said, seek and you fall. Fine. Ask and it shall be given. Knock and it will open. So, love is number one there. Now, I'd like to say this because it needs to be said just for our, our reference. And so we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in what God wants to do. Love, not spiritual experience, nor gifts are a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I first had a call of God on my life, I thought that that was the commissioning. I thought that gave me license to go out and just do my thing. No. When God called me, that was a call to look in the mirror and see how I fell short of Jesus and to spend as much time as it took To be transformed in his image. Whenever God calls anybody, he first calls you to the cross. At the cross is where we exchange what we are for what he is. And remember I said it starts with humility. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due season, he will pick us up. But he will never pick us up to be a sent one or a light or anything, or a missionary, or anything you want to call it. He'll never do that until we are reflecting who he is. As long as we're full of ourselves, and I was full of myself for about 20 years. I thought I was God's gift to every pastor I went in their church. And they knew I had something, but they also knew... (laughs) Guy's just not working here as a unit. He's independent. He's, 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 he's just a, he's out there, man, you know? Because I thought, since God called me, and I had an experience with God, and I did have an experience with God. I had several experiences with God. But that didn't qualify me to represent him. I'll tell you a little story to help illustrate this. There was once a kingdom and a king And one thing the king really loved was his horses and his carriage. He had the best horses, and they were beautiful horses. And he took care of his horses like they were his own children. So he never would overdo the horses, you know. So he would use them, and then then after a while he'd say, you know what, I'm going to let you retire early. I'm just going to let you enjoy the kingdom and graze in my meadows. So he told his uh, master horse trainer to go out, and find me some new horses for my carriage. So he went out there, and they searched and searched, and one day they saw these horses. Man, they were gorgeous horses. You ever see those movies where you had the black wild stallion? 
and he was rearing up, and he was full of energy, and nobody could catch him. Ah, they saw one of those. They saw a couple of them. And they said, boy, if we could get those for the king, he would be very pleased. So they worked it for weeks. They finally wore these horses down, and they, they got them corralled, and they, and they got them down into the king's ranch, and they just left them in the ranch for a while. The king had a 1,000-acre ranch, and they just left them in there. They said, okay. So the, the men said to the horse trainer, what should we do? He said, just let them, let them run around in the ranch for a while, in the king's ranch. Let them out there for a while. So I said, okay. Then the time came that it says, you know what? Now it's time to start training these horses. So they went out, and they rode, and they got these horses. It took them forever to get them down into the corral because these horses were snorting and stumping and, you know, biting them. They were biting them, you know. They were nasty wild things. But, boy, they were strong. And they were independent. And they were powerful horses. So they got them down in there and they got them in. They finally got the gate closed, you know. And, and then the, the men said, what do we do now? And, and, the, and the trainer said, just let them kick around for a, for a while. So they let them kick around. So just let them kick around. So a couple days went by, and they were still kicking around and fussing and beating up and jumping and beating everything to pieces. So, the, so they said, what do we do now? So the trainer said, go out there and put a rope around him, tie a 500-pound log on him. Let him drag that around for a week. So they went out there. They finally got a rope. They put a 500-pound log on him, and he started trying to wear him out. You know, that's what God does. It took 20 years to get him to wear me out. I was dragging that log for 20 years. So... The one horse finally started settling down, but the other horse wouldn't have anything of it. I mean, no. So finally, they said, what do we do? He said, well, we'll keep this one horse. Just let the other one send him back out in the range. Let him go back out in the range and run around. So he got, finally, they opened the door, and he got out, and he said, free at last, free at last. And then he looked back to his buddy. He said, let's go. And his buddy looked at him and said, eh, I don't know. I'm getting two squares here a day, and... Some nice soft straw lay on. I think I'll hang around a while. So he said, Yo, you're crazy. So he ran off into the, into the ranch. So then about every week, he would come down out of the mountains and get, try to get his buddies there. What are you? Are you still down here? He'd say, you are a crazy fool. Come out here, man. We're running around. We're free. And, and then he'd look at him and say, eh, I don't know. He came down every week and kept pestering him. I think I'd come down one week and there was a bit in the, guy's ma- in the, in the horse's mouth. He goes, you got a bit in your mouth. You What? What? Are you, are you crazy? And come on, let's go. The gate's open. You can go. He says, nah, you know, it's not that bad. It's in my, I know it's not that bad. It's not as bad as you think. He says, ah, you're crazy. So then he ran off. So he was gone for a couple weeks, and then he came back again. But this time, his buddy was gone. His buddy wasn't there. So he said, hmm, they must have killed him. That fool should have listened to me. So he ran back up in the hills, and weeks went by, and all of a sudden, he saw this carriage. He goes, oh, the king's coming, the king's carriage. So he runs down to see the king's carriage. That was a show, something to do. So he gets down there, and guess who's the lead horse? He runs up to the lead horse. He goes, what? There was his buddy who's the lead horse. And he goes, I can't believe it. They got you a slave now. He got you pulling him around, you fool. And he goes, come on with me right now. I'll help you bust off. I'll bite that leather right off and you can be free. I got a thousand acres I can run on. I got a thousand acres I can do my own thing. And his buddy stopped the carriage and he looked over at him. And his buddy said, yep, you got a thousand acres. And that's all you're ever going to have. But me, I go wherever the king goes. For me, I graze in the king's palace. For me, no thank you. You can have your thousand acres. So we need to keep these things in mind and have wisdom when God, sometimes when God calls certain people and certain giftings, they get a special blessing from the Lord. And the gifts of God are without repentance. But they need to be trained. They need to be trained. Because why? Because character far exceeds gifting. We read what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Until they possess that, they might be called, but they are not commissioned. And until God releases them, you with me? 
So we say this so we understand these dynamics and we can help train people. We don't, we don't rain on everybody's parade, but we must guide them and direct them and help train them so that what God gave to the church, so that it might be filled with something that is of Him, we don't say no to, but we wait on God for the perfecting of that thing. I'll tell you right now, some gifts and callings, It took me a long time. God had to beat me up. So, you know, it's like, mm, I learned so many hard lessons. But I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Now, I believe if the church would understand these things and learn how to cooperate with God, that process doesn't have to be 20 years. I think that can be, the preparation process can be much shorter. The training process can be much shorter. And we can help people grow up into him who is the head of all things. Now, I was going to read the love chapter again, but I'll skip that. Save that for yourself. You know, let me encourage you couples at night. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Just give God some time. I'll tell you what. I know it's a hard transition going from the TV to the Bible. It's tough. But when you do... I mean, Lisa and I, we've been spending a lot of time, and we don't, you know, we don't, we don't go all night, but you know what? We'll take some time with God and, at night, and we, we'll read together. Sometimes the Bible, sometimes other books. We like to read books, but we encourage each other. We build each other up in the faith. And so we're, we're, we're coming at the end of our day, and we're recharging. We're refilling ourselves with the things of God, and we go to bed with that on our mind. And that's why God speaks to us in dreams. See, we, we're, we're putting God in us. We're, we're taking his word in and the things of God. That's in our mind when we go to sleep. God has something to work with then. And then when we get up, we start all over. Because that's our responsibility unto the Lord. We were created for his glory. We weren't created for our glory. We weren't created to get everything out of life. That we, that's what the world does. God will give us much more and better if we just yield to him. And we don't have to work half as hard. I promise you that. Do you know when he told the Israelites, you don't have to work seven days, he said, I'll give you as much or not better than the heathen if you just honor me with that one day. And you know what happened with them. They prospered and were blessed. They're still blessed, it seems. You know, it's it's great. So I want to share this. I want to end up with this. I want to close with this. How did Jesus demonstrate his love? Because love is... mm, That's the cream of the crop. I jotted down a few things here. He demonstrated his love by loving those who were, were a reproach to man. What we would consider the chaff, the deadwood, the dross, the litter, the garbage the sewerage, the rubble, the wreckage, the cast off, the straw, the two bits. What we would consider that, he loved. Because that's why they criticized them for hanging around those people. He demonstrated his love by loving those who were a reproach to heaven. Because from God's point of view, we're all the two bits and the castaways. No matter what our station in life is, Because the Bible says, Lord, if you would mark our sins, who could survive? Solomon said, for there is not a just man upon the earth that does good and sins not. Paul said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He demonstrated his love by saying, Father, forgive them, forgive us, all of us. For they know not what they do. He demonstrated his love by meeting natural needs. He saw somebody who was hungry. He fed the multitudes. He demonstrated his love by meeting the heart needs of people. He cried when Lazarus died. He cried. It moved his heart. And this is a very special one that I want to share with you. And he demonstrated his love by honoring God's order of things. And we see this most clearly at the cross And it's in John 19. I want to read what happened there. The soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments. 
and made four parts so that every soldier had a part, also his coat, the coat without seam. And they said amongst themselves, let's not rend it, but let's cast lots for it, whose it might be, as the scriptures might be fulfilled, that they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now, there was something else happening at the cross at that time. There were some people there. Weren't there some people there at that cross? Do you remember some of those people that were there? Wasn't Mary there? Mary Magdalene? There was a couple others, I'm sure, that were there. But his mother was at the cross. Now, you think about that, parents. There she was at all the carnage and seeing her son up on that cross And I'm sure she might have remembered this scripture which was prophesied over her at the beginning. Remember Simeon? What did he say to them? Simeon was a great, devout man of God and he wanted to see the Christ before he died. And in Luke 2, you'll find a recording of this prophecy. It says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against. And then he said this, and this was for Mary. He said, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Now picture Mary at the cross. What do you think she was feeling? A sword will pierce through your own soul. For this reason, that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. How many have felt the dagger in the heart? How many have felt the spear in the heart? Yes. Why would God allow that experience in our lives? I love what Matthew Henry said, and I want to read a paragraph of what he wrote. We may easily suppose that an affliction... It was to these poor women to see him thus abused, especially to the Blessed Virgin. Now was Simon's word, a word shall pierce through thy own soul. His word came to pass. His torments were her tortures. She was upon the rack. While he was on the cross and her heart bled with his wounds, And the reproaches wherewith they reproached him fell on those that attended him. We may justly admire the power of divine grace in supporting these women, especially the Virgin Mary, under this heavy trial. We do not find his mother wringing her hands or tearing her hair or rending her clothes or making an outcry, but with a wonderful composure standing by the cross and her friends with her. Surely she and they were strengthened by a divine power to this degree of patience. And surely the Virgin Mary had a fuller expression of his resurrection than the rest had, which supported her thus. We know not what we can bear Till we are tried. We know not what we can bear until we are tested. And then we know who has said this. My grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. And then finishing it up. Jesus therefore saw his mother. And the disciple standing by him whom he loved. And he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Pointing to John. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that very hour, the disciple took her into his home. Here Jesus was at the height of his ministry. The pinnacle of everything that his mission was about. But he had time to honor his mother. He didn't throw any of God's divine order out no matter where he was in his call and his mission and his destiny. 
to honor someone is to never grieve them. Or to dishonor, never to grieve, never offend intentionally. So we need to just ponder on these things and take, take it all in as we go through life. Take all these things in as we go through life and ponder these things. We're all in various circumstances in our life, but in every circumstances, His grace is sufficient for us. Let us not dishonor our Lord in any way by handling situations outside of His grace. So I'm going to finish now, and then in a moment we're going to go to corporate prayer. Pastor started last week. We're going to take two or three minutes and just going to open it up. We'll pray as a congregation. We're going to pray out loud. And perhaps your prayer today is that you be filled with the Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians 5.18 that we are continuously being filled. Every day we should make sure we are filled, topped off with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps your prayer today is you need to ask God to cleanse you, empty yourself, and then ask Him to fill you. So why do the corporate prayer? You say, I can pray privately at home. Well, you can sing at home too. But we come and we do corporate worship. And we all join in. So now we're going to do corporate prayer. And we honor God in this way. And then after that's closed up, I, I do want to put a call out for those who are sick. There's been a lot of sickness going around. You know, there's a, a lot of my clients. I'm calling them. I called my accountant this week. She's hacking on the phone. Something's going around, and it's a pretty tough thing. I know Lisa had it. She's on the tail ends of it. But if you're sick, the Bible says in James 5, let the sick call the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil and pray for them, and they shall be healed. So after the corporate prayer is done and it's closed out, those of you who are ill and you want prayer, you want the pastors to come, I'm going to ask the pastors to, to come up. And if any of you want prayer to step out in faith, do it God's way. You see, this is God's way. Call the elders of the church, let them anoint you with oil, and you will be healed. So all you're doing is exercising faith. I know you've got to step out of your comfort zone, but that's okay. We can do it. I mean, if I was sick for three weeks, I'd want that thing broken off me, right? You go to the doctor, might as well go to Dr. Jesus. So, so at this time, we're going to go ahead and go to corporate prayer. Um, we'll take a few minutes and then uh, pray out loud to the Lord. Let's do it vocally. Let's just open our hearts up one to another, just like we would be singing, but instead we're just going to be vocal and share our thoughts with the Lord, and then after that, um, we're going to have someone come up and close, and then if you need prayer for your health, please come forward, okay? So let's go to prayer.